You're listening to High Shelf Gaming. In this episode, we're going to bring on uh, two gentlemen, Zach and David, who are launching a Kickstarter. It's, it's live now, actually, talking about Knights of the Shadow Realm, which is a really cool D&D module is maybe too small a word. It's a first level to 20th level adventure, really huge scope, really interesting project. We're super excited to talk to both these guys about it and their past projects and kind of where they're at in the Kickstarter world. Um, a quick note about High Shelf Gaming as a podcast. You've probably noticed that things have kind of slowed down here. I would love to be able to blame all of it on COVID, which is certainly impacting my work in the real life. It's very busy right now. But uh, frankly, Rich and I have had a lot of conflicting travel and things that have just kind of got in the way, along with all the other projects that we're doing. So very sorry for those delays. I would say expect us to be an every other week podcast for the next couple of months while the you know coronavirus covid19 whatever you want to call it kind of runs its course in that in how it impacts my life <laughs> and my free time to work on this podcast hopefully when things calm down all of our other projects are in alignment and we'll be back to our usual fun loving episode a week type gig for right now though it will be a little bit slower until everything calms down so Thanks for your understanding and patience as we adjust to the new world order. All right, without further ado, let's get on with the show. High Shelf Gaming is a podcast where David and Rich discuss tabletop gaming. Everything from board games and role-playing games to gaming conventions. They provide reviews, strategies, tips, and house rules to enhance your gaming and convention-going experience. Hey everyone, David here with High Shelf Gaming, and as always, I am joined by the Scalawag, Rich. You know, I'm not too sure if that is a compliment or not a compliment, because... It is not a compliment. <laughs> I would say I have been known to Scallywag around, and I, you know, as a pirate, you know, I think... Arg, I'm a scallywag out on the big high seas. I think that's kind of a good thing. So I'm going to say thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Love being your scallywag. Finally recognizing your true talents as, that's a, right. uh, as a man of the seas. But yes, I exactly. have decided tonight I'm going to make this even harder on all of us, and I'm going to go by Zach. Oh, no, stop that. So tonight we are joined by two guests, uh, uh, Zach and David Barentine. And this, I got to say, David, this is the first time we've had another David on the show. So I'm super jazzed. <laughs> so, D David, how does that sit with you? Hey, everybody. This is David with High Shelf Game. Oh, wait, no. You've oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, he has a really show, good Zach. voice, okay, Dave. You better watch out. I, I am I am shaking. Yeah, this is, uh, this is not going to go well for me. I like this it's reverse the power. whip all it's of the a power. sudden. <laughs> this is great. I'm you got to throw everything that you have into the vocals. That way you can really make them feel it. That's right. <laughs> God. Well, awesome. So, Zach, David, the two of you are working on Kickstarters, which is really ex exciting for us. Uh, it's We love talking to designers and folks that are making games. But before we get into the Kickstarters, I'd love to get a quick sense from the two of you what kind of games do you normally play? What kind of gamer are you? We'll start with you, Zach, because we actually haven't heard from you yet. Oh, sure. Okay. I, I do love me some uh, tabletop RPGs. Yes. Some oh, yeah. D&D, &D, Pathfinder, and Vampire. Oh, but yeah. what, what, was Vampire your first or was it D&D? D&D. &D? Oh, God yeah. damn it. Yes, yeah, I know. Fine. You owe me I'm, another I'm, $20. I'm, <laughs> no. God. So I Rich and I new. have this running tally, yeah. and I am way behind. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, uh, Vampire is a very new fascination for me. Oh, fifth ed, huh? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people who is a lurker on the edge right now, but I sure. have not fully made the plunge, but it's a fascinating fascinating addition so yes yeah, um, it is but we are also i am also my family is also hardcore just like board game players yes oh that's awesome yes that's awesome. i listened to your Catan episode a while Cheap. back and i i have so many frustrations and and statements to make uh <laughs> after hearing that. I was like, how dare they 
but it's all good. It's been a few days, so I've cooled down. Um, oh and, and we're good now. So yeah, I Cheap you know, strategy. Catan is one of those games that people either hate because of the things that it's done to their friend group, or they love it because of oh. how it has changed gaming in their community. We love it. We played, uh, my family plays with my folks. We played Catan just about every week straight for several years on wow. Sundays. So uh, it's one of those things where you have all the expansions. We have all the like little play test expansions and all the little tidbits. We play a lot of, you guys talked about not having played a lot of five to six player. I know we're not talking about Catan today, but uh, <laughs> guess what? We're talking about Catan today. Five to six player is where it's at. And especially if you can get the seafarers and make it an extra big board you can uh, yeah i've yeah. got that one yeah 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 so i have i have the seafarers and the five the five to six and i love that addition but it has been hard for me to get that many people together so oh yeah i well, I, I love i love it when i can do it so I'm, I'm glad to hear there's another like vote for the big game of Catan. exactly and if you want to make like it an antagonistic like bare knuckle game of Catan, uh, pick up the oil fields expansion. Really? Um, oh man. It will make each one of you hate each other no. in <laughs> 10 minutes because it, it turns Catan into a push your luck, ruin the game for everybody sort of a thing. Wow. Um, and there will be blood. That's all. Oh, it is. It is so much like that. Yes. That's like 10 bucks on Amazon. It's, it's the easiest $10 you've ever spent. And if you really want to have some fun, try picking up the Brass Knuckle Edition, where basically you just hand out brass knuckles and dance in the back alley. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Rich is good with that. He's tall. He's got the reach. So I yes. would not want to play that game. I'm like, like a bugbear. With like a huge reach. That's right. That's right. Oh, my gosh. That is so good. I've got to go get the oil expansion because I always thought Cities and Knights had this real rough mechanic with the knights and like multi robbing yeah. your friends that i only busted out in like really competitive games <laughs> oh yeah no this is this is very clean the basically uh the 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 10 second pitch is that you there's a new resource called oil and the more oil you earn it's a very valuable resource, but the more oil you earn, the more devastation is caused to the world. So if you become an oil tycoon, you are ruining the board for everyone. Yes. Um, and but you, yourself at the cost. And you're enriching. Of exactly right. Exactly right. I really like how you described an oil expansion as very clean. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's oh, great. And, and David, how about you? What, what kind of games are you into? Obviously, you're into RPGs because you're making an RPG, but like what are, what are the games you like to play? So I'm going to go ahead and uh, kind of even the playing board here. You're talking about first uh, tabletop RPG no. or RPG experiences in, in general. Started with Vampire at yes! 16. Damn it. Yes. Oh, thank you, David. All right. I knew I liked you. Okay. Now we're going to have 30 minutes of Vampire talk, dear listener. <laughs> You won't, because I only played one session, and oh, then the okay. group fell apart, and I never played it again. You know what? That is that is Vampire's normal track right there. Is that's You get the, one, the maybe three sessions, and then it's bubkits. Then you just got books you can read. Yeah. I know so many good books to read out of that, yes. out of that series. Oh, my gosh. But if so, you yeah. want to know what I, I play, tabletop RPGs all day, every day. Yeah. Like, uh, I started, uh, started on... Third edition, went to 3.5, went to Pathfinder, uh, skipped over yep. fourth edition because I heard a lot Yay. of like, naysayers. Like you. Uh, yeah. I uh, jumped into fifth edition because I was trying not to fall into that grognard mentality of my edition best. Right. I got into right. fifth edition, fell in love with it. I've been running it now basically since fifth edition's uh, playtesting rules hit, but that's not all I play. I've also got a 13th age game that I play on the side. I'm a player in that oh, one. Oh, good. Oh, awesome. Yeah. 13 Ages by Zach, I think the same guy who did uh, Legend of the Five Rings, right? It's like a roll keep system, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I've only played the Samurai game. I've not played uh, 13th Age yet. I haven't played the, I haven't played the Samurai one. 13th Age is uh, a friend of mine is really big into it. So he he runs his game and I run mine. But the really cool thing is like we play in the same world, but he's playing like 10,000 years in the past to my present. Oh, cool. So however things kind of land in his game, uh, I can take certain key points and kind of reimagine it for mine. Like he's got these things called Koru behemoths, which are living mountains that just walk the continent and they don't exist in my world, which means something killed them off. So when we figure out what that is and figure out where they died, now their corpses will be uh. like 
hollowed out mountains that you can explore. In Check for Disney. meteors. Check for see, meteors. See, I love when GMs collaborate and they're like running the same game or games in the same world. And it's like, hey, I did this thing. Awesome. I'm going to take that thing. and I'm going to hide it in my game. And then it'll be a callback to your like, that's just so awesome. That's cool that you guys get to do that. Yeah, it's not it's not even just a hidden thing. Like he and his wife are really big into uh, storytelling and whatnot. And so am I. So we've all played in different facets of the same world. Uh, I play in the modern day, kind of the current setting. She plays in the Feywild. So the way that our world war sets up is the Feywild vibrates just on top of the uh, material plane. Mm, So occasionally mm. things can come in and out of the Feywild. Sure. And some things that she would do would show up in my game and some things I would do would show up in hers. And then he plays hardcore in the past and he's setting some new building blocks for me to pull inspiration from. See, that is so cool. Like I, the fact that like, I think so many of us role players, there's the one GM that we know, and there's the six or seven players that are sticking around and playing. And they're like little islands that are unto themselves and they're their own little cosmos and all that kind of thing. David, that's my secret. I know it's my six friends that. And that's why I love it when when GMs have more than one group. Right. And there's more than one GM and they work together like that is so cool to hear about. Um, I'm just I I don't even know your games, really, but I'm just a big fan of the setup already because it's not crazy common and it should be. It's so fun when you get to have that kind of collaboration with another game master. It's also frustrating because we're all players in each other's games. So while we do still pick and choose from each other's stuff, we can't really collaborate too much without giving too much away. That just means there's payback to be had. I mean, there's payback to be had, but there's also really inter- interesting concepts. So, okay, uh, world lore time. Story time, everybody. Um, there is, in my world, uh, an ancient bit of history that separated the dwarven cultures bet- uh, between a continent. So now there's a western uh, civilization of dwarves and an eastern civilization of dwarves. And what spawned this was a uh, void dragon was so ferocious and so vicious that nobody could really cross the middle of the continent. And this void dragon uh, was finally defeated by a knight of Pelor who used a reflective shield where the magic basically threw back the breath weapon back at the uh, dragon. But the dragon, instead of dying, disappeared and uh, left a massive crater, which filled in as a lake, which currently exists in my setting. That's all I put into it as far as the world lore and history. Well, then the uh, friend of mine that did the Feywild game took that dragon and turned it into the mount for her uh, big bad evil guy. (laughs) That is epic. Oh, that is great. Like when we found it, we were playing Curse of Strahd and uh, she put in a custom dungeon where we had to walk through the bones of this dragon as it was coming back to life. And as uh, the realm where Strahd was kind of fell in on itself, the last thing we saw as we were being engulfed by darkness was this dragon lurch up from the uh, land, flesh finally covering its bones, and it flew into the darkness before it engulfed us. Whoa. That is a great ending to a game. So let's talk a little bit about the projects that you both are working on. Zach, you are are working on... uh, Captain Hearthchild's Guide to Oceanic Depths, which is a 5E supplement. Can right, I just it. say the greatest title I've heard in a long time? Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, we love it, too. <laughs> yeah, what it's very much like a Volo's guide. You know, like like oh, there's yeah. this person who was an explorer and they're making yeah. uh, yes. an in-world guide for players and GNs to explore. Yes. So I'll I'll try to keep this short and sweet. I ran a year and a half long campaign where I built it a uh, whole cloth out of DMs Guild modules from third party writers. And uh, my players love that just getting all these different bits and tweaks and different ideas. But there was a reoccurring villain in that campaign and his name was Luchus Heartchild. Oh. And he was a delight and a fan favorite. And so when we set about creating the title for our Kickstarter and for this book, we wanted a captain. We wanted somebody, like you said, like Vor, uh, Volo's Guide or like Mordenkainen's or Xanathar's. And we knew it wanted it to be a captain because it's on the seas. 
Right. And uh, so I, I'm like, I'm just going to type in heart child here as like a placeholder. And one of my players saw it and flipped out. And I was like, okay, that's just going to stay now just for those six yes. people. But that's staying as the permanent. Uh, now they know where that villain ended up sort of a thing. That's great. I mean, now it's not just six people like other people are now oh, in yeah. on the joke. And that's so cool when you can take something that was so critical to your player, your players in your home game and seed it into your project. And they can all look at that. And go, Oh, yeah, it was part of that game. I, I know that person. Yes. And now the the difficulty is creating something that lives up to the hype for at least my six players. <laughs> uh, but it's been fun. No, we really like the content. Um, we really like the title. I love I, I'm just going to tout uh, do some shout outs real quick. But I love the cover art to that Kickstarter. If you guys go on and look at it, it's going to be the cover of our book. I think that both the title and the art that goes along with it are very evocative of exactly what we're trying to do. Oh, yeah. No, this creature on your cover is terrifying. Cthulhu to me. I looked yeah. at that and I just was like, oh, my gosh. I feel I like I don't know, man. That's, that's like scary. some sort of giant barbed Leviathan situation. It's yes. it's crazy looking. Yes. I told one of our artists, uh, Daniel, I said, I want a dragon turtle, but I want it like in the Jaws pose and I want it necrotic. And that's what he came up with. And it was astounding. Wow. So. Yeah, this is really cool. And and inside are, I mean, just from the little preview that I saw on the your Google Drive yeah. preview, there's obviously like some characters and that kind of thing. But then there's a lot of just kind of lore about the depths. Yes. Yes. It so the premise of the book, Oceanic Depths, is that we wanted uh, a supplement to add to your fifth edition games and your campaigns, your adventures that added a lot of content for oceans and seas. And a big part of that is we want you to have some cool villains to populate your 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 waters. So there's 13 um, unique villains. And we had a whole bunch of guest writers come on to give their own takes on the villains. But they're all the way from CR4 to CR24, I think. Um, 13 villains. There's like 28 new monsters on top of that. There's like 24 new spells. There's a new subclass for all of the uh, official classes. There's three new races. There's magic items. There's all sorts of stuff in there. Um, and and David Barentine was one of our writers, uh, guest writers. He wrote one of our really cool villains for that book. Probably the best villain, if I had to guess. You know, I have my own favorites, <laughs> but I'm going to say... Uh, Great answer. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to say that my favorites have the name Zach Goins in front of them. Yes. Uh, but, <laughs> well, I don't want to kill a monster named Zach Goins. Well, that's, that's, that's too weird. That's fair. Um, we'll, we'll change that real quick when I get off here tonight. Oh, um, my gosh. But that's, that's, that's really cool because one of the things that I've always wanted to do in D&D is run like a good seafaring campaign. Mm -hmm. And frankly, the core books just don't provide a lot to go on. Like there's some sea monsters and there's, you know, if you go back into the second edition, there's some like whale sharks and stuff like that. But there, <laughs> there's just not a lot of love for, for oceanic adventures in the core material. No. And even when, and, and I love all their, Hard all the official books. horse on an adventure in the ocean. That's why you That's get fair. a shark mount. All right. <laughs> or a dolphin mount or something. I don't know. I think the biggest problem is just like the idea of full on 3d combat always. Like yes. I've seen a lot of DMS have problems oh, with just like point. one character having ability to fly because, Oh, I've got the winged boots and it's an uncommon item. Oh, you know, that's okay. So I come from a sci-fi angle where it's like mm. spaceship fights are kind of normal to me. Space, space. Get yeah. Space. And so it's like, uh, so, so when I came to D&D &D and somebody's like, I take flying. It's like, okay, cool. I don't care. Like, that's fine. I'm used yeah. to 3D fights. But you're absolutely right. The idea that someone is below me or above me or, you know, under the surface and I can't see them. That's got to be really trippy for a lot of players that are used to grassy plains and dense forests and dungeons. Well, but here's the thing. And I, I completely agree with you. But fifth edition is the first edition, I'm going to say, that has kind of tried to get away from the gridded map. And so previous editions, I think you're exactly right that it's like really trippy to because you're rolling out a map every session and you're and the rules are all built around a gridded map. But fifth sure. edition from from book one has said, hey, the map is optional. 
Well, when the map's optional, I think it becomes a whole lot easier to run a three-dimensional underwater space, whatever Theater you want to call it. Theater of the mind. I, I was about to say, yeah, when you stop having to calculate the hypotenuse to figure out if somebody's in range for your spell. I have yes. legitimately used Pythagorean theorem before yeah. the games. Thirteenth um, <laughs> Age has a really good way of handling this as far as a mechanic as well. It's basically a three-ring grid, or uh, not three-ring grid, but three-ring system where you're either right up against them, you're nearby, or you're far away. And you can just say, I'm far away and up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yes. exactly, exactly. That's super and, handy. Yeah, and, and 5e, I agree with you. It really cares a lot less about ranges. Yep. I mean, ranges matter, no, no doubt, but it is a lot less uh, fiddly than it was in 3.5 and, and earlier. You're exactly right. And different strokes for different folks. Some tables are going to be, I mean, I run a table that is consistently on a grid, um, but that's that's not the norm anymore. So just to kind of tie back into what we were talking about, you know, Ghost of the Salt Marsh uh, came out and I think everyone was really excited for an oceanic adventure um, from that book. And what we got instead was still a good book, but it was a lot of coastal stuff. And there's a lot of like, well, you're on an island or you're on the coast or you're in a port city or whatever. Right. And the ocean is nearby and then it limits yes. you from like going places. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so we got, I, I got my copy of Ghost of Salt Marsh and we talked about it. I'm like, you know, I would like to make something that is what we thought we were getting. And and it's not to play counter and it's not to say we can do it better, but it's to say I had an idea of something cool and so far that hasn't been done. So let's just go ahead and do it ourselves. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, I, I'm a I'm a big fan of of fleshing out that that part of the game and giving a lot more characters, monsters, like you said, spells, races. I mean, you've really put a lot of material into this. So it's not just a npc book or just a monsters book it's a lore and realm guide really because you're including so many different aspects to to the oceans yep yep and we're trying not to step on any toes as far as like we want something that's going to run seamless next to your forgotten realms canon books so mm. you're not going to see something that's like oh well that doesn't make any sense this is supposed so we built something that's somewhat setting general and and where we always have our eye looking back to what's already been written and what's already what monsters are already out there, what races are already out there. Oh, and spells. And I was going through spells, that. There yeah. is just it's the the races, subclasses and spells. By the way, I want to be a monk of the crashing wave. That's just awesome. Yes, it's so fun. That monk is was built by uh one of my co-creators, Micah, and it's a brilliant subclass. Rich, you couldn't even like pick one of play. David's contributions. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't list the names. I was just rolling the dice. Okay, I, I okay. threw my D4 <laughs> through the dice tower, and I was <laughs> like, it's going to be one of these, um, and we'll see where it goes. Have you guys so taken actually, your if, characters from, you know, this oceanic depths area and then brought them into a regular campaign? Somewhat. Uh, what we have done is... We have done introductory modules at local gaming shops. And so we'll set up a table and we'll let people create characters based on our subclasses and our races or mix and match with the established stuff. And they build what they want to build. And then we run D&D for them showcasing a villain or whatever. So, oh, so we, very cool. Yeah, I've gotten to play with a lot of these. Um, I've had a lot of fun with them. We've gotten some really cool feedback from them, but I have not had the opportunity. I'm a, I'm a forever DM if you, if you, yes. so <laughs> I have not gotten to play one yet myself and <sighs> it's, it's choking me up a little bit just thinking about it, but you know, is what but, it is. But that makes, yeah, I, I love the idea of like, Hey, go, go and play this, this like little mini game that I've set up and here's some villains that are coming out in this book. And then they make characters based on the things that yep. you've put together. And that could almost inform like a library of, of, of NPCs and gives you a lot of playtesting opportunity really to see yes. how people find Find information about your classes. Was it easy for them to grok? Was it, did they like power game in a way that you didn't expect? All those things kind of come out whenever you throw these ideas in front of a bunch of convention goers. Yep, exactly. It was done in December. So we're in production right now. PDF should be available. 
I'm going to say within the next several weeks. So keep an eye on that. That'll probably go up on DriveThruRPG. The softcover book will come out closer to May. Yeah. So t- talk about, uh, David, your project. The two of you met and you're a guest writer on the Captain Hearthchild's book. And you're doing a Kickstarter for Knights of the Shadow Realm. Yes. So Knights of the Shadow Realm is kind of a uh, personal project for me. It is a uh, massive undertaking, a level one through level 20 adventure. The wow. whole thing started back when I first started playing uh, fifth edition because I did the starter set. And once I was getting close to the end of the starter set, I was considering where I could go from there. So I started putting stuff together. And over the course of time, I wrote this like all encompassing adventure for players to reach the lowest levels to the highest tiers. I ended up having to uh, create epic level epic leveling rules because we went over for about a year longer than what I expected for this because there were loose ends that my players wanted to tie up. Of course, nobody no, the players hate when side quest stuff is not resolved and they're like, but I want to know what happened to that end or whatever. Oh, no, <laughs> so, no, it was bigger than that. Of course, I of had course. a player come to me and say, I want to play a god. And I said, okay, but Sweet. so I, I gave them the, the opportunity to play a God and oh, her welcome God, to all the God problems. Yes. Well, <laughs> the big issue was her God uh, or her character didn't know she was a God. She had been sent to Oranth, which is our planet and completely lost track of thought. Didn't know who she was, where she came from. So she latched onto one of the other players and was traveling with that player for a while. But the deal was you get to play a God you don't have God powers. You start to expand and collect some powers as things go on and you kind of uh, figure out who your character is in game. The moment that you finally figure it out and your character learns the lesson that your character needs to learn and opens up to that godhood, I get to take it out in the most thematic uh, way possible. That was our agreement. <gasps> oh, wow. So what happened was in doing the uh, uh, Knights of the Shadow Realm, We got to the end of the second chapter. We climbed the world's tallest mountain. And as she was climbing, she had over the course of about eight months figured out what was going on with her character. And Mm. she had started uh, throwing out wild magic surges and wild magic just like crazy. But as we were uh, kind of opening that up to her, her mortal form was cracking and it was decaying. So as they climbed this mountain, she lost more and more of her ability to uh, kind of walk and function. And at one point, she just lost full control of her body. And the paladin threw her arms around his uh, neck and kept walking. He's like, nobody gets left behind. Mm. And they surmounted the summit. And they were kind of looking over at the boss battle they were about to partake in. And as that was happening... Uh, the God of death showed up and only she could see him. And in our world, the God of death is a grandfather figure, more of a, uh, when you die, it's best to be walked to the, uh, afterlife instead of being left alone. Ah, and he's the one that's there. I like that spin. Yeah. And I like the grandfatherly feel to it. It's nice, but he shows up to her and she's sitting there and he looks at her and he says, so dear, it's time to let go. And she said, I am letting go. I'm ready. And I said, oh, dear, no. Look at your arms. Look where they're at. And she looked down. And they were still wrapped around pallet. And I said, it's time to let go. And she just started bawling oh because she God. knew what that meant. Uh, her mortal form cracked open and a god just broke out of the shell. So now I've got two battles going. I've got the battle at the summit for the uh, climax of the second chapter with all my characters or player characters fighting against all the bad guys I've set up. I've got an emerging avatar of a god trying to break out of the shadow realm, and I've got her uh, goddess form trying to push it back into the shadow realm. So what we did, because I didn't have stats for them at the moment, we did a thematic battle where she would say what was happening, and I would retort. And then when it came to my turn, I would say what's happening, and she would retort. Oh uh, my gosh, see battle. good. Yeah, you could see stuff happening, but there were no dice rolls being made. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's that's the way, man. When you get that kind of comfort with players, you've got to grab that by the tail and run with it. Because oh, yeah. you can't do that with every table, and that is incredible. What ended up happening at that point was, because um, we'd already agreed to it, 
so she had to have the trust that when the time came, I would take this character and do something good with it. So she was infected by this creature that was trying to escape the shadow realm and the infection was spreading. And I gave her one final choice. I said, you have the power within this character right now to heal the infection as it spreads, or you can take all the power that you have and push this creature back into the portal. It's trying to escape out of it is your choice. And she looked at me and she said, I push it back in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So she did. And it took everything she had and the darkness that had infected her spread and the effigy of this goddess that she had uh, broke apart and started cracking. And oh. she got one last goodbye before the pieces shattered and shut off into different realms. And wow. that's that's that became our post game. We finished up our main game and our players were so intent to bring her back that uh, they had to escape entropy itself to get to the end of everything where they found the soul of uh, or the not really the soul, but like the essence of creation of this goddess being sucked back into the singularity and released her and brought her back out of the uh, kind of the end and brought her back to life. And that's where we ended up ending our game. Wow. See, oh, I love that stuff. It's all epic and like things shatter and the world is broken for this character. And, and the, those that survive are bound and determined to not let fate have its day. Like, that's some that's some good good table time. That is awesome. And a lot of that is factored into what this Kickstarter is. Like that kind of mentality and that kind of storytelling is what I've put into this uh, story. So what you get with this Kickstarter, um, it's a few things because I want you to be aware of the world you're playing in. We're putting together kind of a small campaign setting so that when you get the book and you get the Kickstarter, uh, you back it, you understand that you're going to have an understanding of the world of Orient and the. Uh, continent of Aranthos that you're going to be playing within. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll see where all the cities are laid out. You'll see all the like really big groups of people that are in there, what they do and how they contribute to the world at large. And um, you also get this massive story, this level one through level 20 story that starts with you investigating children going missing in the slums and spirals all the way up to you fighting a demigod, trying to close off all the realms so that it can collect the souls from the material realm, warp them into a shadow version of themselves as an army so that it can take that and then uh, infect the rest of the realms and overthrow everything. And your yeah, goal is to stop. That's that. an epic epicness right yeah. there. <laughs> your goal is to stop that demigod from uh, having his plans come to fruition. That but, is fantastic. And it starts the, with, Hey, there's some people missing. What's up? Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly how it starts. Like you don't even realize until about three fourths of the way through the first chapter that there's something else happening. Like it just feels like you're investigating a missing child. I got to cool. go back though, to that beginning comment. I just thought of Lord of the Rings as you were talking about the climbing the highest place and then the paladin taking and no one's left behind. And I was like, Oh yeah. Oh wow. What an epic moment. It really reminds me of that whole thing with Sam and uh, you know, Frodo. And then all of a sudden it got even better. <laughs> I was like, this story yeah. got better. Yeah. Yes. I want that though. Like when I crafted this, I wanted that, like that, that sensation of just epicness dripping through each chapter. And that's the second chapter. That's not even the full story. Uh, there are two more chapters after that. Uh, I'm, and this is a little bit of spoiler here. So, but I'm going to say it anyway, like each chapter is set up as kind of its own tier of play. The first chapter leads into finding the first general of this, uh, demigod you don't even really you hear his name once you don't know anything else about it aside from its name by the end of the first chapter you gotcha. then have to take a like hardcore encrypted book to the like religious leader of this world who will decrypt it for you in return for you kind of working some stuff around uh the city the really unique thing about this is this isn't the only story that's happening. There's also wars between cities happening that infect, uh, or the conflict kind of affects the uh, second chapter, the second city that you're in. And this is your kind of tier two adventure where you're dealing with the uh, fallout of a civil war while also building to that first kind of climax with a potential uh, avatar of this demigod. 
you get the book decrypted and it tells you of three sacred items, three legendary items that need to be collected because the general that you uh, dealt with in the first chapter uh, was trying to find items that would stop her God uh, so that she could destroy them. And now you've got the book and it's in your hands to find those items. Ah, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The third chapter, you find out uh, even more. You end up getting all three of the items by the end of the third chapter. Or at least you have a chance to. The bad sure. guys also have a chance to get this. See, so. okay, that's nice. that's really important. That's so important to actually have real conflict. That there's an there's one or more groups out there that do not want the players to win. I, so many modules I've seen are like, oh yeah, you know the, the hard yeah the 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 hardest thing in the module is like traps and stuff like that. But like to actually have active, intelligent bad guys that do not want the players to win. That's so important because then when they actually beat them, it feels so much better. <laughs> oh, dude, yes. like my my players, uh, they got to the point where they had to fight this god. And I've got this really cool uh, mechanic where the generals of the shadow god keep coming back because their souls get sent to the shadow realm. Mm-hmm. He just reincorporates their physical form and sends them back. So they have to keep fighting them over and over and over. When they finally crafted the in-game weapon to like flat out destroy these characters. I think they enjoyed killing the first boss from the first chapter more than they enjoyed <laughs> killing the actual demigod. <laughs> Cause they had so much history with they this did. one boss that keeps coming back at them. They did. Yeah. Uh, and the, the cast of characters keeps growing. Like there ends up being four generals uh, or four knights of the shadow realm. By the time you get to the end of the fourth chapter that stand between you and the demigod and you have to deal with those four knights before you can fight the uh, demigod. That's but what cool. makes it even better is the third chapter, like each of these knights, each of these generals have personality. So the third chapter is the biggest one because you find out that the kind of the story that is happening in this one is the shadow general from the third chapter is a paladin. So it's a shadow paladin. And she died in childbirth. And you are working alongside her husband, which is the captain of the guard, and her daughter. Whoa. And he has left the city to ruin because he figured out who the big bad was for this area. And as he states to the players, I can't be on this path. I can't put her in the grave again. Uh, So there's, there's a chance for redemption for one of the shadow generals. But it's up to the players to decide if they want to, because she will not have mercy on them. Right, right. One of the other benefits to your method here is that there's a lot of justification for those generals to get better and smarter every time they run back into those players, because they have reincarnated and they're not going to do the same thing they did last time. Exactly. And uh, part of the part of the stuff from the second chapter is uh, you find out that you're being scried on. So by the time you get to the third oh, chapter, they course, are aware of, of the things that you're going to get. So one of the uh, one of the conflicts, like the midway point conflict, is you find the second of the three items and there's a shadow general already there within his hand. That's awesome. That's they, awesome. You you build up information like it's this kind of like piecemeal clue s game where you're finding uh, portfolios and documents and everything that kind of build the narrative for you. So you figure out what's happening and you realize that um, they are using kind of a smokescreen of this up and coming religious figure who is uh, kind of blinding the people in the city. And they're hiding behind him to do their dirty work under the guise of they're with him and they just need his help so that they can help him in return. So he's helped them get the information of where this item is. And they've set off on an expedition to get it. And by the time that the party gets that information, they're already there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I, I love the like so many times stories are written with like the parties. Uh, the, the world is kind of static because it doesn't. In like modules, a lot of times are written with this kind of like static world mentality where, uh, you know, the world really doesn't move until the players move. But it sounds like with yours, like this is not the case. The world is moving. And if the players don't stay on task, it's going to pass them. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the fourth chapter is the biggest instance of this, because by the time the fourth chapter gets here, the sky is cracking open and the shadow realm is starting to merge with the material realm and the armies are starting to move across the land. So as you get to the fourth chapter, the first thing that I've written to the DM is you roll so many dice and add 10 days to it. That's how many days they have before the armies start marching. Ooh, nice. So there's yeah, kind of a, a uh, there's a countdown timer. Yes. Yes. And oh. you. You've got to get through four more dungeons and craft the in-game weapon before that happens. Oh, yeah. See, that's good stuff. That's How big is this? What do you like, mean? Like, in, like, I know that you have a lot of chapters, but, like, to have four dungeons worth of material in the fourth chapter and oh, all this stuff page. prior, like, how, how big is this thing? Yeah. Okay, so page count-wise, we're not entirely certain yet because there's sure. still stuff being written. I, I have the campaign set setting in uh, actual notebooks, but I haven't typed it up yet. Sure, um, sure. I do have the four chapters put together, and it's looking to be somewhere between 160 to 190 pages nice. just for the adventure. Nice. <laughs> um, yes. So on top of that, I don't just have four maps in the final chapter. I have something more like 21 to 25 maps throughout the game. Oh, my goodness. Uh, oh my I have goodness. ancillary art that kind of really makes this a pretty piece to read through. And gives you stuff to look at uh, as you're reading through it. I've got uh, character art. So not only do you get to see the bad guys in kind of the beastie area, but you get to see these shadow generals. You get to see Jane Eyre from the first uh, chapter. You get to see Edwin Myers from the second and uh, so on and so forth. You get to see who these characters are, what they look like. So there are actual visual representations of the people you're you're actively going against so for dms like our dave he can visually describe and bring home that aspect and dms like me just hold the book up and go it looks exactly. like this person this one yeah exactly. yes. <laughs> and speaking of dms i've really i've really tried to make it so that a dm can run this adventure with little prep but at the same time, if you read through it, there's so much more lore that you can get out of it as well as a DM to really kind of build the immersion. But I understand that there are DMs out there that just you get an hour a week to prep and you can't spend that time just reading. You've got to be able to hit those high points real quick, get it down, understand what you're doing and move on. Yep. So in order to do that, each chapter comes with a story structure, a uh, kind of wireframe of how the different uh, story points weave together. So you can quickly see that. Uh, and on top of that, there's a quick quest list. And the quick quest list takes every quest that's lined up uh, in the opening chapter, the one where you get all the rumors, the story points and whatnot, and says, quest name is this. <clears throat> Who'd you receive it from? This person. Watch your goal. Do this. What's the reward? You get this. And that's it. And it's just a full page lined up like that. So you, you don't even have to hunt through the book. You just you have it. That's great. Yeah, I as someone, I don't really run a lot of modules, but I page through a lot of them because I want to take out of them <laughs> and, and put them in my own game. Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, bits and pieces and like having a skeletal structure, kind of like a almost like a, a site map is would be incredibly helpful to me, like trying to understand, OK, how do these things piece together? So I know when I take this, what all can I take with it? And 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 move that into my world, into my game. So really good on you for giving me that uh, that structure. That's that's super helpful of you. Right. I'm in the same boat as you, uh, David, in that I am I'm a forever stealer. Right. Right. I, 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 <laughs> yes. I'm like, oh, I like this. I like this. I mean, I have all the hardcovers and I've ran one of them. Right. Because I right. just like the bits and pieces. One of the things that I think makes. Uh, this project so cool is that there is so much to steal. Like he said, there's there's 20 some maps and these are gorgeous maps, like like top of the line, in my opinion, top of the line maps you've got and you've got some creatures and you've got some whatever. And you also the thing that I get the most out of this and why I was so excited to come onto this project in the first place was that quest structure that we've been talking about reading it and seeing how that's laid out and seeing how these different threads are are strung throughout the campaign and how pulling on one makes other things happen yeah you learn so much just by reading it and then i you know then then i take that and i put it into my game i say how can i replicate that feel right this feeling of the world being alive 
and things going on with or without your involvement, but also this idea that like, no matter what type of party is at the table, they, they can act their own way. They can have their own personality. They can be interested in different strings. They can go off in different directions and pull different strings. But at the end of the day, they're all going to still get that really cool moment with the demigod or whatever. Because yeah. So there's, there's not that entry in there is like, and then the warlock player can do this thing. It's like, well, what if there's no warlock player in my fucking party? Like, right. Exactly. <laughs> Which like, I have legit like seen. Ex- I've legit seen like the druid player does this. It's like, Really, dude? Like, <laughs> yes. I, I don't or, have one, so no. I don't. I don't. I don't like that. I don't like locking people and stuff like that because that's right. too railroady. And yeah. that's actually the story structure that I put together tries to mitigate railroading as best as possible. It's a story. It's a module, so you get what sure. you get. Obviously, you have you have uh, a point A and a point B. Right. Yeah. There is absolutely to, a structure to this for sure. Yeah. You're going to end up at the demigod. You're going to fight him. But the way that I have this uh, put together is each chapter has a point A and point B. You start in chapter one, uh, coming into a town, escorting some prisoners of war. You end the chapter by fighting the first shadow general and getting her uh, her encrypted notebook. But I want whatever happens between point A and point B to be unique to that party experience. Yeah. So the way that I've got these interla- uh, like interlapping story points, you can follow two or three threads in a different direction, and it's still going to end up uh, spinning a weave back together towards point B. And then if you go back and play it again, it's not going to be the same story. You're still going to start at point A. You're still going to fight the same person at the end. But you could completely go about it a different quest, a uh, different way to get to this quest. That's and I awesome. did that with each chapter so that every time you play it, it feels like its own thing. And... Every time you play it, you have different effects that could happen. And on top of that, we were talking about a living world and how things kind of continue happening as you're doing things. There are several points throughout this story where after the players do one to three things in the city, doesn't matter what they do, new things arise and new developments happen. That's good. That's really good. Yeah, I I kind of take a um, I kind of take the view that the, if the place doesn't feel alive then I'm not super interested in it. So right. it's nice that you have like, hey, by the time they do these things, new things are creeping in and let's go ahead and start talking about them. Uh, and it also sounds like because you've designed this with the idea in mind that some GMs don't have a ton of prep time, I don't have to read the entire chapter before I start the chapter. Absolutely don't, no. Uh, in fact, you need two pages at the start of the chapter to actually understand what's going on in the story. Oh, that's awesome. You that's, need that's, the, that's my kind of prep. <laughs> yeah. Great. You need the wireframe that says, here's how the story points go together. And you need the quick quest list that says, here's who you get the quest from. And then the uh, the last two thirds of the, of the chapter is, here's your dungeon. And here's a room by room guide on what's there. So when is the Knights of the Shadow Realm coming out on Kickstarter? Are you going to have a Kraken level? <laughs> so we don't have levels named exactly. But oh, yeah. No, have... but the the super fun. Let's all get together and game for a weekend level. Oh, man. <laughs> the uh, the the couple of grand to have you DM yeah. a game for some folks in your hometown. I hadn't considered it, but I mean, it, I wouldn't turn it down. But I do have a very unique thing that uh, is a one time offer only as a part of the Kickstarter. If anybody's interested, there is a. OK, I went all out for this game for my my players. This was, like I said, this is my baby. This is a passion project. So when we did finally get to the final boss and the final battle map, I crafted the whole map. 3D terrain, everything is together, and I've kept it in pristine shape. So oh. there is a uh, a one-time backer deal. If you get it, I will ship you the 3D terrain. Wow. What? Holy smokes. How okay. Many hours are in that. Oh my god. Uh t- almost 3 weeks of work. Oh wow. Okay. That's pretty dope. That's awesome. <laughs> so we got that. Uh, there are a few things that I'm giving away that are uh, specific to kind of limited time offer sort of de- uh, sort of deals. Sure. I do kind of to give you a background of the kind of uh, the spread of stuff that I do for this. I'm doing the illustration, the writing. I'm having some people help me with editing, but I'm doing the revision work. I'm doing the layout. I'm doing the graphic design, the story structure. Everything is in my purview for this. And because of that, I want to be able to give some of that back with a Kickstarter. So we have things like the the 3D terrain, 
that goes out there, the actual handcrafted terrain. But we also have a backer level where you can get your own custom character drawn by me uh, and shipped off with your uh, purchase. Oh, wow. That's uh, cool. We're only doing 20 of those because I've got to have time to finish up the project I, as well. I was so. about to say, like, the idea that, okay, so you've got to do this custom custom thing for somebody. You almost want to start putting in, like, hey, by the way, this is one character, not one character with eight heads. You know, right. like, you almost have to, like, make sure that it's something that you can feasibly do while you're also producing. Right. So. It's probably going to be the last thing I work on. Uh, after we yeah. start getting things sent off to printers, I will start chugging away at that and we also kept it limited to 20 people so that i could still deal with stuff for the project itself and get these out in what i feel is a reasonable time one other thing that i'd like to discuss while we're on here about the kickstarter is i've talked a lot about the adventure and putting it in the dm's hands and the setting that's a part of this as well but an adventure is not really an adventure without player options and I am going to be adding quite a few things in here. A few of these are going to be stretch goals related, but we are looking to add in new custom backgrounds that fit with the uh, organizations that you'll find in the campaign setting. Ooh, uh, nice. We're looking at a f- not a, not one for every class, but we are looking at adding a few subclasses to this. Uh, we're looking at adding a few new races. We have a at least two, maybe three pages of new spells. And we have a few pages of custom magic items as well. So there is also going to be a small plethora of player options that people can back this book just so they can create new custom characters for their own game. If that's something they're interested in as well. Yeah, I I love like when you start bringing in extra things for the players to engage with. That, again, makes it more real, more, more accessible to more tables. Absolutely. Right. And it's not just like, oh, hey, check this stuff out in the back of the book. Why don't you use it? It is stuff that you will find in the game as well. There's a custom race that I created. A friend of mine basically came to me and said, I want to play Groot. So I created a race called the Briarling. It is a sentient tree that uh, you find a wandering NPC uh, in the first chapter that is a Briarling. And their history factors in pretty heavily to the third chapter because you have to find their hidden abode that's been gone for a few hundred years. So you can play as one of these characters and interact with these characters in the game. I've got a a pixie race that I've uh, still got to work out a couple of the kinks on, but it's working pretty well so far. I've got um, a few of the orders that are in the world. There's one that is specific to the second chapter called the order of the uh, blue scale that I'm going to be crafting a paladin background or a, paladin subclass for so very nice very if you nice. take yes. that you get to interact with them in the second chapter see and oh, that's and really cool because then as a player it's like well i i am this thing so maybe there's special options for a player who's adopted some of those things for their character absolutely one of my favorite things in the book in uh the second chapter specifically is we have this group called the lutes and liars in this world and the lutes and liars are a bunch of bards that go around and they play around for people and they uh, rob them. Yes, exactly. Because it's a play on words because they are all a bunch of liars that like to loot as well. So it's, it's a uh, thieves guild organization that sows chaos throughout the world. Oh, that's greatness. And in the, uh, I like sec- how rich you immediately picked up on what was going on here. <laughs> oh, yeah. In the what second chapter, you-, you actually come across uh, a person that works for the loots and liars and if you go in and mention something, because you can hear rumor on the street about it. Somebody comes up to you and is like, oh, you're adventurous, eh? Well, I hear if you need to get rid of some items, you know, fence them out real quick. You can go over here and take care of it. And if you bring that up when you go to visit them, they can send you on a, a string of quests, three or four quests that start sending you towards main quest items. But it also raises your rank within that guild order. That is cool. I like I like the idea of having like little um, doing the right thing in the right moment does spawn off to some some extra quests that they wouldn't have access to otherwise. Right. Which which oftentimes like a module will be like, okay, like even the bigger ones will say, okay, here are all the quests that they get access to. And if they go to this shop, they get this quest and they go to that shop, they get this other quest. It's like they go shopping for quests basically in town. And it's like, no, 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 no. You got to say the right thing to the right person. And then there's a three or four or five quest arc 
that they get to go on. That's and, that's really neat. And on top of that, if you say the right thing to this person and you do the three quests by the end of it, there's another inn in town where suddenly you get a 10% discount and they just yes. wink and nod at you and say, you helped out a friend, so I'm <laughs> helping you out. So that kind of stuff is peppered throughout the entirety of the campaign. Well, that's really cool. I, this is super ambitious, David. <laughs> it is super ambitious, but uh, the like the really big thing here for me is it's almost done. Like already it's almost done. That's um, awesome. First chapter is already put together. There's going to be some editing to change some uh, things around so that it fits into a whole book as opposed to a single chapter. The second chapter is currently being edited and artwork is being done for it. The maps are basically finished at this point. The third and the fourth chapter are at a point where the, I need to do a read through, but they're at a point where they're ready to be edited as well. I've got the maps drawn and inked. I need to make them digital. And I've got a bit of the character art already together for those chapters as well. So yeah, by the time, one of the things, one of the big things I think for this Kickstarter that we're really kind of excited to share about it is the way that it's going by the time this Kickstarter is funded within a week to two weeks after it is closed off, those that back to the PDF level and above get the first two chapters in PDF form. So you can go ahead and start playing as the book is being put together. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, that's cool. a, that's a super aggressive uh, release cycle, but I like that since you've got so much of it already done, that's really cool for you able to, for you to be able to deliver that to the Kickstarter backers. Right. I mean, there's probably still things that are in it that are going to be subject to change. Sure. Um, mostly for layout purposes, but the idea is you can go ahead and start playing your game uh, and set it in your own campaign and start doing your thing. And by the time you get to the halfway point and you've reached the end of the second chapter, we're hoping to have the book uh, in your hands. We're That's looking at having the book out uh, this fall. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Whew. That is, that's awesome, but that's it, it, only possible because you've got so much of it already done. Absolutely. Yes. We were talking earlier about having the add-ons and whatnot, pushing things back. Um, a lot of the add-ons that we have are already written up. That's so good. That's so really nice. It's not going to be an issue of, okay, we've unlocked this third player option for a subclass. Uh, we need to play test this for the next three months. Right. Right. That's good. Now, and Zach, and you're, you're involved in all of this. Uh, any of these like... Yes. Ca causing you agina like <laughs> like giving you heartburn <laughs> no that's that's been the beauty right of really it's it's me and david on this project and the beauty of it is that we've kind of felt the same about a lot of this so yes we have some stretch goals yes we have some add-ons but one of the big things like we talked about earlier has been coming back and saying does this push things back? No. Okay. Well then we're going to consider it, but we're not, we're not talking about like, Oh, let's do this. And well, if that, we fund hit that stretch goal, we're going to need another three months or whatever. Like right. that. that's, that's all. That's another Kickstarter guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a really good point. That's really good stuff. So good on you guys for taking on something so ambitious and, and getting this out there. I, I can't wait to see it live in the world. I, yes, I can't uh, wait to see it live in the world. Yeah. Well. Like it's been at my table, but it's only been like, notes that have been put together in a way that I can quickly play the game. Like I, the reason we are doing a Kickstarter is more than anything. I want a book of this. I want something to exist in uh, like perpetuity. I want to be able to put it on my shelves and be like, I wrote this. Yeah. Heck yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's how the expanse was, right? That's how a record of Lotus war was. I mean, good on you for saying, Hey, I, I, built this thing and I need it to exist <laughs> outside <laughs> yeah. of the game that we played. Like that is, that is incredible. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, uh, David, Zach, this has been a real pleasure having both of you on and diving into your projects and the things that you're up to. I, you know, we don't really have a lot of Kickstarters on this show very, very much, but it's really cool to hear some creators and what you guys are making and the passion behind what you're making and the story behind what you've done and going to do. That's really, that is really the draw for me is to kind of get a sense for why you're doing this and how you came to, came to this project and, and those sorts of things. So thanks a ton for coming on and, and sharing that with us. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. We, I, I have loved this evening. Um, love talking with you and Rich and I would love to come back on when we have a full episode and 
talk about Kickstarters and yeah. all the intricacies. So, I so think, sign me up for that whenever you're ready. Yeah, definitely. I think so many people would just love to hear yep. a breakdown of these things. So yeah, the, definitely more to come. Absolutely. I think... And, I think our next Kickstarter needs to be a book for Kickstarters. Yes. <laughs> Very meta, but yeah, so absolutely. Meta. Yeah. So how, how should people get a hold of you guys? I'm, I'm sure you have, I mean, for these projects, you probably have social medias, that kind of thing. Yep. Uh, how, how should people find access to uh, both of these projects? So uh, on my end, if you want to know what I've got going on, you can always jump on Facebook, uh, you can find me under Zach Goins. I'm sure there'll be a link in the oh, show yes, notes. Absolutely. But uh, I do a lot of stuff on the sides, collaborations, stuff on the DMs Guild, stuff like that. So you can see a lot of stuff there. My little publishing company is called Bite Sized Gaming. And you can find that on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter sometimes. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, I've got Facebook if people want to find me there. Uh, I'm under David Fink Barentine. Um, Twitter is going to be the easiest way to get in touch with me if you really want to like quickly have a conversation uh you'll find me at david barentine on there uh i'm also on reddit if anybody wants to like find my stuff i've got a lot of posts on reddit of content that i've done over the years uh that's going to be found at da underscore fink that's da underscore f-i-n-k and i mean if you've got the lung capacity you could climb up onto the uh, rooftop and shout as loud as you can i can't promise i'll hear it yes you can give that a shot i also expect to think three times during the D D game he shows up that's right i show up in the mirror brushing my teeth yeah (laughs) i also accept carrier pigeon that's good that's good (laughs) we got it we have to be we have to be everywhere folks Uh, anybody who's online making content we got to be on all the platforms including carrier pigeon that's good. Yeah, so good stuff. I will definitely link to all of those things in the show notes. So folks, uh, scroll down on the show notes and click away to uh, find these two gentlemen on Facebook and Twitter and, and all those places we mentioned. Um, this is this has been fantastic. So again, thank you both for your time and, and effort tonight. Oh, thank, thank you. For, you guys. Thank you guys for having us. And as always, this has been David with High Shelf Gaming. <laughs> <laughs> I love oh this. gosh, um, I I'll love just finish this that. So much. I'll just finish that off by saying, uh, may all your rolls be crits. Have fun and play well. Thanks for listening. If you like our style, please subscribe or rate, like the podcast within your app. It helps fellow listeners find us. We really appreciate it. So thank you. To join the community, you can find us on Twitter and Discord, Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, all under the name High Shelf Gaming. Super easy to get connected and join the fun. This episode is copyrighted by High Shelf Gaming LLC and is not cleared for broadcast or syndication without written approval. The music was provided by Lil Funky on YouTube and our web presence is managed by Amy Nelson. Take care, friends.